Wires is a wireless power podcast created to spark conversation, share stories, and educate the public on the future of wireless charging. Each podcast episode explores one key question in or adjacent to the wireless power space. Guests include wireless power industry experts, engineers, product designers, and technology leaders engaging in casual chats on compelling subjects. Our World Without Wires takes a lighthearted tone that is accessible to everyone, even while addressing highly technical topics. Join us and learn how you can live in an unwired world. Today on Our World Without Wires, Sanjay welcomes Paul Davis and Paul Husted as our guests. Paul Davis is Senior Director of Product Management at Atmosic Technologies. For over 25 years, he has been involved in the definition, development, and delivery of wireless technologies for a wide range of industries. His current focus is the integration of energy harvesting and low-power wireless semiconductors for various IoT applications. And Paul Husted, the other Paul, also at Atmosic, is Senior Director of Technology. Paul has over 20 years of experience developing low-cost, low-power, high-volume, consumer wireless chips and devices. And he has most recently focused on forever battery and battery-free wireless solutions for IoT and consumer devices. Welcome to another great episode of Our World Without Wires. Welcome to Our World Without Wires. I am thrilled to have Paul Davis and Paul Houston from Atmosic. And we have so much to talk about, so I want to jump right in. Paul and Paul, I was checking out the Atmosic website and it said Atmosic aims to make batteries last forever and the internet of things battery free. Just tell our audience, what does all of that stuff mean and what can they expect? Yeah, sure, Sanjay. The the real premise behind Atmosic's development and what we've developed is around really two key tenets. One is bringing the power consumption of wireless devices as low as possible, and there are some real you know advanced technology that we're bringing to market to do that to give ourselves a a factor of four or five uh, you know or more better uh, lower power consumption than our competition. And then on top of that, we've added intelligence into the power management unit inside of our device that allows us to take advantage of harvested energy as well as energy from batteries and and other storage devices. So we have an intelligent power management unit that is always trying to use harvested energy first, and then it'll store excess harvested energy and then use that energy from storage to either maximize battery life or completely eliminate the need for batteries entirely. Okay. Okay. So there is so much to unpack. there. So, so Paul, if I can paraphrase and correct me, so what you're saying is with all the awesome technology that Atmosic is developing, we could potentially eliminate batteries and maybe just use supercapacitors or something like those instead in a lot of the internet of things and small devices that need small amounts of power to begin with, but not zero though. Yeah, you're, you're always going to need to have some energy storage and that's going to be very dependent on the type of application. So you could imagine something like 
like a very simple tag where you just need to harvest enough energy so the radio can send out a little, you know, I'm here type of beacon. Uh, but then you could imagine something a little bit more advanced where now you've got a sensor, let's say in a commercial or industrial environment that's monitoring the temperature of a machine or a process or is looking at environmental air quality. And now it's going to need to do a little bit more computation, maybe have some intelligence about what it's seen from the sensor and then report out information that way. All the way up to, you know, maybe a more advanced device where you've got a, even a rechargeable long-term storage where you're harvesting quite a bit of available energy and you're doing, you know, much more advanced, even edge, you know, machine learning type of uh, an application with all the, the data that's coming into a device. So there's a, there's a whole range of applications when we talk about the IoT where energy harvesting can be applied to either, like say, either reduce the, or eliminate the, the usage of battery. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So that that's pretty revolutionary though. If you think about today, a lot of the sensors and IoT devices I we have, the biggest challenge with them is finding where they are. They are like dust that is sprinkled everywhere. And once the battery in them dies, good luck finding them and replacing them. Sometimes it's actually more effort to find and replace the battery than the cost of the sensor to begin with. So now you're telling me with your technology, the sensors can be out there and they can keep going like the Energizer bunny on and on and on till the electronics dies, which I don't even know when that happens. That, that's right. And and some of the customers that we work with, you, you hit on an important point there where they're more concerned about the cost of finding a device and replacing a battery. You know, imagine a, a big industrial plant where you, you know, literally have hundreds or thousands of sensors monitoring all kinds of activity. One of those sensors dies, it could be very critical to the proper operation of, of that facility. Um, and it may be in a remote location where it's very hard to get access to the sensor to change a battery. Even just you have a case where a, a sensor is you know, just simply, you know, not something that you can ever afford to have, you know, be offline. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, this all sounds so like science fiction and I would love to get into some of the science and physics and hopefully we can uh, make it easy enough for our uh, audience to understand. But before we get there, you've touched on a couple of applications. I would love to get your thoughts on what are the big markets you are seeing? Like, where is the demand coming? coming from and how big this market could be potentially. Yes. So we're focused across the board on consumer, commercial, and industrial type applications. So, so let's take the consumer application first. One thing people may be very familiar with are, you know, those little desktop calculators that practically get given away for free that have a small PV cell on them and would ever think about replacing the batteries for that. So we're in applications today, things like wireless keyboards, wireless remote controls for TVs, or even just for air conditioning units and ceiling fans, where you never want to have to go off and search for a, a replacement battery when you, you, know, you can't change the channel to your favorite show or you're trying to you know, get your homework done and your, and your wireless keyboard dies. 
So that's that's the consumer side of things. And then when we move into commercial type applications, that's where we start talking about, you know, tags and sensors inside of commercial or industrial facilities. And, you know, with the IoT, we're seeing an explosion of these type of devices where customers want to track more things and monitor more things and gather all of that data so that they can have intelligent insights about how their facility is, is performing. So those are the kinds of things we see across the board. And whether we're harvesting light energy from a PV cell or thermal or mechanical energy from a motor that's that's moving inside a facility, or where we're setting up some kind of wireless transmitter that we you know can harvest the energy from that to be able to operate the device. Very cool, very cool. And I think we all know the the market for these IoT devices is pretty massive, right? You know, we're talking about tens of billions of devices being sold every year. They're like just this little gold dust everywhere. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. We already see a market that I think people are not always aware of is like the RFID market, right? Where there are yeah. tags. I mean, I go to my library and every single library book has an RFID tag. I mean, you can imagine the number of things that could be tracked and monitored is really infinitesimal uh, when it comes down to it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I want to get into a little bit on the technology side or maybe even like what is the fundamental innovations that Atmosic has done to make this possible, right? There's probably, I'm sure, a lot of stars being aligned to make, kind of eliminate batteries from our lives, right? And, you know, if you all want to be green, I think there's probably nothing more greener than getting rid of all the batteries, honestly, with all the chemicals and everything else in them. So I think really the uh, key thing there is uh, this is a technology, you know, being able to transfer energy over the air um, is something that has been around for a while, but having it reach critical mass, I think really depended a lot, not necessarily on the energy harvesting, but on the, on the power consumption of the end device. So um, with our, our technology, by being able to have a receiver that's multiple times lower power in many modes than our, our competition, we've reached that threshold where the ability to harvest that energy is enough to power a significant use case at a significant distance that enables the market, right? As you look at the energy that can be harvested from a rectifier um, at a certain distance from a certain transmitter that's at a certain power level, that technology hasn't really changed all that much over, over the years. You can argue over a few percentages here and there in terms of efficiency, but that's really dwarfed by being able to have a system that can be multiple times lower power consumption than anything that, that was possibly even just a few years ago. Understood. So, so Paul, what you're saying is, right, the physics of if there is a source of RF energy, physics will tell us how much of it can be received at a given descent. It gives us an upper bound. And certainly there's some innovation that you've done in, in a way to be able to harvest and convert it into a usable form. What you're also telling us is there's a lot of innovation in making low energy, like reducing the consumption of the energy also. And the two have now, because of all the innovations that you've done, the two kind of intersect, right? The energy that you can right. harvest and the energy that you consume. And now you've reached that point where the equations kind of uh, match up. That's right. And by putting all of this on the same die, right, on the same chip, uh -huh. we're able to be able to have the the power harvesting integrated with the power management unit integrated with the actual 
operations of the analog and digital and the, the radio state. You don't have to lose energy taking the harvested energy and putting it into a storage and putting it into a battery and trying to, to take it back out. We can use the energy directly as it comes in and out. And then as we have access or as we need energy, it's that reservoir that comes from either a battery a super cap, whatever that it happens to be, that kind of just makes up the difference for us. I see, I see. And I think the advantage is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, right? The advantages of putting it all on a single chip or a single die is you don't lose energy in converting and trans transmitting it even within a single device, right? Because you're talking about really, really small amounts of uh, energy here, I'm assuming. That's right. It's, you know, small amounts of energy and, you know, but by having everything local and, um, the and, and coordinated, you can really have the best possible scenario in terms of how, how you manage this power consumption so that you get the most out of the energy that you're able to receive, which means that, you know, it, it allows you to um, operate that much more or be that much further from a, a device to be able to um, have the best use case. Very fascinating. This is really some cool stuff here. Uh, so Paul, do you want to share a little bit about like how much energy like can be harvested? And even if there is a source, I'm assuming some government somewhere is regulating how much power you can transfer, right? This is a pretty regulated world out there. So can you just give our audience kind of a feel for the orders of magnitude? What kind of energy we're talking about? What are the applications that are realizable with this kind of uh, you know wireless power technology now? Absolutely. So first, I think I'd, I'd like to address a misconception that I think I've, I've heard before, not in this conversation, but elsewhere, what some of the audience could be thinking. And that's saying, hey, I've got a Wi-Fi router in my house. I can harvest that energy and I can do all these operations. And while that's possible in theory, there's a couple of issues with that. The, the first is that your router, unless you have a lot of traffic going on in your house and you're constantly operating, constantly streaming data at full speed, you probably have a low duty cycle on your access point. So even though it might be able to transmit a lot of energy, it might not be always doing so. So a, a good power transmitter is going to, to be something that has a higher duty cycle, right? Your, your energy is really your power times your time. So by being able to have a higher duty cycle transmitter, you're in better shape. The second is that there really just is a lot of physics. If you think about the same router that we mentioned a moment ago, it might reach all the way through your house. But as you get towards, you know, at even a medium range, if you're um, at a level of minus 60 dBm, which is a very, very strong signal for Wi-Fi, you're now at a nanowatt. Um, we can actually get down into picowatts um, in terms of being able to receive an energy and get Wi-Fi signal, but obviously you can't do anything useful with that energy. So you, mm. so you need to think about range, I think, in a little bit different sort of a way here. We're going to be talking about meters and, and you know, not necessarily tens of meters, hundreds of meters, like a Wi-Fi system or, you know, some other typical communication system might do. But even still, that's something that it can be quite useful um, as you build out a set of transmitters that can actually create the energy as you know from what paul mentioned earlier when you're talking about industrial settings or commercial or other cases where there might be many many devices out there you know if you can cover a sphere of you know five meters just to pick a number um, you can put a lot of devices in there and if you just go to each outlet that you might have in your house or each lighting unit or something along those lines and just put one of these transmitters in there. Now, all of a sudden, you're able to really cover an area and there's going to be you can cover many, many 
by once you put a, a power transmitter up there, you can power all of the tags in the area. You don't by putting another tag in the yeah. area, you don't really lose anything. So you know it's it's an area coverage sort of, sort of a thing, um, and you can get a lot of scale from that. So looking at at the physics, I think those are the sorts of levels that you're looking at in terms of safety. Um, different countries do it in different ways. Really, there's there's a lot of rules about how you protect from humans, right? So there's a surface absorption ratio, SAR, that's really the key metric here. Um, and that this is done in a way, it's tested, it's required in every country with different ways that they test. Um, and that's how they really keep everybody safe by looking at what's the distance from the power transmitting antenna to where a human would be, or can they detect it if somebody comes in range and maybe turn down the power? There's different ways to protect you, but those by staying within those rules, you can actually create an amount of power that's safe, but still useful. Understood, understood. So in some ways, it is like Wi-Fi in the sense that yes, you can power one transmitter, can energize multiple receivers and so on, but in probably a lot of ways, it's not very similar to Wi-Fi at all, right? In terms of the range, and the amount of energy you can deliver, you're talking meters rather than tens of meters with Wi-Fi. You know, I have a couple of access points that cover my entire home. This is probably, if we're talking meters, we're talking about maybe if you put something in the center of a room, it can cover all these sensors that may be there in the room itself, but certainly not beyond that. That's right. And, you know, as as you look at this, right, you know, it's, it's possible to charge more than just a sensor, right? So as you have a device that might need a little bit more power, right, if you wanted to charge your, your earbuds or your phone or something, right? You can use the same power transmitter. You can have a unit that's sitting on your coffee table. Um, and if you wanna charge your your phone, you can put it near the unit and it'll, it'll get a lot of power. If you have sensors on the walls that might be a little bit further away, that's fine. They'll get enough power for the, their operations. So these, these heterogeneous environments really are possible. Awesome, awesome. Very good, very good, very interesting. You know, one of the other questions I have is, Commercializing any wireless technology is hard, right? This is something that I have learned having spent uh, 25 years in all kinds of wireless technologies. Uh, and partly because you always have this, you know, two ends, right? You know, wireless by definition means there is a transmitter and there is a receiver. And it's the question always comes, which comes first, right? You know, we have this little chicken and a egg problem. Can you talk a little bit about what are we doing in terms of how do we bring the industry together, right? How do we make sure that there will be transmitters and receivers and and so on? So the, the power of standards, I think, has been proven time and time again, um, especially as you look at communication systems and wireless communication systems. The network effect, right? The power of a network is equal to, to the square of the number of devices in it. So by growing the pie, by being able to have more devices that all speak the same language and can interoperate. It just makes that network more and more powerful and more useful. Um, so that's really where the Air Fuel um, Alliance comes in by being able to now come forward. There's, an, there, there, there's that upcoming standardization of the um, Air Fuel Alliance RF spec that will allow devices to interoperate. And the inter interoperation is both on the power side in terms of you know how the power gets from the, the transmitter to the receiver and also in terms of the coordination right by being able to have new devices as they enter an area be able to request from the transmitter hey please turn on i need some more power please turn off please, please turn up the power turn down the power simple commands but by being able to have those commands be 
standardized and interoperable between all sorts of devices from different manufacturers. You know, it, it really grows the whole ecosystem. It, it makes different devices able to work together. It allows um, the devices that are deployed um, to have a spec that's robust, that's had input from multiple experts in the field come together and, you know, find those corner cases and, you know, really make a, a spec that makes sense. So I think it's a, it's a very powerful tool. Awesome. So what you're saying is, right, the industry is working on putting together. Multiple companies probably sit down and negotiate with each other in a, and kind of agree to the language they're going to use to talk between the transmitters and the receivers so right. that everything can work with each other in the field. And not just negotiate on the standard, but also actually run interop experiments and do, mm. you know, live test. I mean, we have partners that we work with doing live testing uh, to make sure that it's working in the real world. Right. Right. Uh, right. Which is the, you know, the the ultimate uh, you know, <laughs> which you <need> to, <laughs> where you need to get to. <laughs> Got it. So you read the specification, do your implementation, and then actually test and make sure it actually works, right? There's always room for people to interpret specs just a little bit differently, which can cause problems. Of course, of course, of course. No, well, I think this is this is pretty awesome. And by the way, best of luck with everything, right? This is such an important mission that you guys are on. I don't know if anybody else in the industry who is, uh, in a way has innovated on both sides, right? Not just the wireless power side, but also creating, I would say, compute systems and communication systems together with the sensing systems and putting it all together on a single die. And which is what allows you to make them kind of, if I can use the word autonomous and reduce the power consumption where the equations match up with what you can harvest and what you actually are consuming. And you enable these battery-less uh, or devices with maybe just super caps and so on. So that that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, we're, we're very excited about the potential of this technology. Awesome. Well, best of luck in all your endeavors. Love to stay in touch and maybe bring you guys back in just a little bit and talk more about the technology. I'm sure our listeners have loved uh, the conversation today and are excited about what the future holds. So thank you. Thanks for spending your time today. Yeah, thanks, Sanjay. It was great thank talking you. to you. Yes, thank, thank you. you.